Fridays at the stick. From who's got it better than us to brick by brick. It's always the 49ers way from off season to game day. Yeah, we talk back. It's the 49ers cut back. It's 49ers Cutback Podcast time. Welcome to the show, everyone. Time to talk about the 49ers versus Jaguars. But upon further review means I've watched the All-22 film, and I'm ready to get a little bit deeper into what I saw out of this football game. It's one of my favorite episodes to do because I really get to talk about the ins and outs of the football game, but how exactly the 49ers went about winning. And there was a lot to take away from this. There really was. 49ers looked fantastic against the Jacksonville Jaguars, 34-3. to It wasn't just a number. There was a lot of things the 49ers did really well in this football game. Everyone should take a big sigh of relief after that three-game losing streak. The 49ers are back, and the 49ers are back better than ever. Uh, Chase Young was a huge addition. We'll get into that deeply in this. We'll talk about the move to Diamond Lenore to the nickel spot. Ambry Thomas playing on the outside. Uh, but Steve Wilkes just kind of taking an opportunity to change things up and change overall the dynamic of the 49ers defense. I thought this could have been one of their best performances of the entire year. We'll get into that, of course, in this episode as well. Uh, but the offense was back as well. Trent Williams was back, back at left tackle. Debo Samuel was doing Debo Samuel things. And it just felt like there was more space for Christian McCaffrey to operate in the running game more opportunities for plays to get players to get one-on-one matchups down the field. And Brock Purdy did what he's supposed to do. And he executed at a high level in a tremendous amount of areas. And Brock was, uh, you know, a question mark for some. Some were starting to question, is Brock Purdy really that guy? Is he the guy that can lead the 49ers to the promised land of winning potentially their sixth Super Bowl? Of course, late game turnovers has been a problem. It started in Cleveland. He had one errant pass, and it really came back to bite him in the butt. And then, of course, in Minnesota, there was the the ones that happened probably post-concussion. And then last week, or two weeks ago against Cincinnati, he really had some struggles. I mean, the linebacker made a great play, uh, but he should have handed off the ball to Elijah Mitchell for a touchdown. That didn't happen. And then he just you know made a huge mistake. He didn't see the linebacker in the middle of the field, and he threw an interception. So uh, there were question marks about Brock. We'll talk about if those... Question marks have been answered in this episode, but bet online. That's the last of the, the last of the major pro sports leagues is off and rolling and college basketball is ready to go as well. Bet online remains your top spot for all your live betting action and contests. NFL, college football, UFC, and UHL are all in full swing. Bet online is your number one source for wagering news, odds, trends, and predictions. All the hoops betting action along with every sport available at your fingertips with both desktop and mobile access at any time. Head to bet online today and remember to use our promo code BELIEVE, that's B-L-E-A-V in all caps, for your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online where the game starts. And this game right here, 49ers versus um, Jaguars, was an interesting one. You, You saw that the Jaguars were good. In a lot of different facets, uh, they were really good on defense, one of the better scoring defenses in the entire league. They were good at running the football. They were good at stopping the run. So the 49ers were going to have to find ways that they could take advantage 
of this Jacksonville Jaguars offense. And I felt like they did a pretty good job of taking advantage of them offensively and defensively. So I want to start with the defensive side of the ball because I believe that is where most of the criticism has been going over the last several weeks. Uh, Steve Wilkes was out of the booth and onto the sideline. And for some, they believe that was going to make a big difference in how he called defense. I'm not sure that is the catalyst uh, for what ends up being a great game and game plan from the 49ers defense and defensive coordinator Steve Wilkes. I believe that actually, uh, you know, Wilkes being on the sideline is probably less of a conversation point than what he was actually doing on the field because Steve Wilkes came out with a very strategic game plan to keep Jacksonville guessing. He was willing to take chances. He was willing to scheme things up. He was willing to formationally dictate what the Jaguars were going to do from play to play. And what do I mean by that? Well, it was just different this week. He comes out in the first couple of plays of the game, and he's running a five-man defensive line. It's it's not, of course, not Chase Young, but it's the defensive line we've seen when they had five men out there. Bosa and, and Farrell are playing the defensive end spots. They brought in Kinlaw to go with Hargrave and Armstead. And it was, hey, you're not going to throw, you're not going to run the ball with Travis Etienne early. And the 49ers put a lot of pressure on Trevor Lawrence. They put a lot of pressure on that Jacksonville Jaguars offense to have to operate early on. And I felt that that's kind of set the stage for who the 49ers defense was going to be early on in this game and who they were going to be uh, for the second half of this season. They were going to dictate everything that you're allowed to do. And that was one thing the 49ers haven't done over the last three weeks. I felt like they allowed the offense to dictate what they were going to do instead of them being the ones who do it for uh, you know, for the game. So I thought it was really good as far as tempo. And part of the reason was Steve Wilkes just ran a bunch of different looks. He was throwing a lot of different things at him, whether it was formationally, whether that was personnel groupings, uh, whether that was uh, just the having Bosa and, and Chase Young line up in the A-gaps. Uh, but also there was a couple other things he did in this game that were huge. But let's talk about the Chase Young and Nick Bosa lining up in the A-gaps and what that looks like by doing that and having, instead of having Fred and Dre do that, uh, they had did have Fred and Dre do that during the game, but instead of having them do that early on in the game, you put those two guys outside. Uh, by putting those guys, Fred and Dre, outside, it still gives a similar look, but now you've got two very good pass rushers rushing from the inside. The very first time they did it, there was a penalty, a false start on the offense. The second time they did it, Chase Young put a lot of pressure from that A-gap. That was a unique look, something we haven't seen, and I think it just illustrated what they were going to do. They were going to line up in different spots. They were going to put pressure on the Jaguars' offense and interior offensive line to be able to hold up and make those plays. But also, when they did put Dre and when they did put Fred in the A-gaps or even in other positions along the defensive line, they are off, I mean, on the line of scrimmage, they made them... Uh, kind of made those offensive linemen commit to them. So a lot of times what was happening early on this year is they would show, but then they would bail before the snap, and then the offensive line would be able to adjust knowing they weren't coming. The reason you want to show them in blitz is you want those offensive linemen to designate that they're going to uh, rush, so that way it frees up other people, gets one-on-one -on -one situations for other pass rushers. Well, when they were bailing early, the offensive line was able to disregard that and go back to their original blocking. And what happened in this game was 
Drake or Dre Greenlaw and Fred Warner would still engage with the offensive lineman and then bail. It was a it was a great technique they would, were doing with D'Amico Ryan's. They put the shoot their hand out into the chest play with the offensive lineman and then back out. Now, can that present opportunities for the passing game for opposing teams? Yes. But what it did was it made those offensive linemen determine that they were coming. And then a lot of times what you got was a free rusher like Nick Bosa coming off the edge, which ended up producing huge dividends for the 49ers on defense. So little subtle changes as far as formations, personnel groupings, but also something like this scheme and techniques. We also seen him running more zone coverage. And when I'm talking about not just zone coverage, but zone blitzes as well, he was dropping off defensive linemen. There was even a time he dropped off Chase Young into coverage. Uh, He had flats on one side and they blitzed off the other side. That was unique. He had another opportunity where they had looked like they were rushing four. And then Eric Armstead dropped off and he uh, dropped in his own coverage. They rushed three. In fact, that's the play where um, Chase Young and Nick Bosa meet at the quarterback. They meet at Trevor Lawrence and end up getting the strip sack. So in that case, the 49ers only rushed three. So it went from 49ers struggling to get home with four, five, or six guys, depending on situation, to being able to get home with three. And a lot of that has to do with forcing Trevor Lawrence to hold on to the football, disguising coverages on the back end, and also bringing unique unique pressure, but also dropping guys out when you're not normally seeing that from 49ers. I thought this was such a well-rounded attack from Steve Wilkes. You weren't really able to get a pulse on what his defense was doing. Normally, when you're breaking down the film, you watch like, okay, there, here it is. Too high safety, this, this, and this. Uh, they're going to do this. They're only going to rush four, right? And I think in this case, you just weren't sure. You know, Fred's lined up outside on the right, or he's outside up on the left, or he's lined up out wide covering a running back in space. He's lined up on Evan Ingram in the first play and going wherever he goes. It was just unique. And what it did was it prevented the Jacksonville Jaguars from ever getting a rhythm or getting a beat on what the 49ers were doing defensively. That's why you've seen them only get three points. Well, that and the turnovers, that and the sacks. Uh, But the 49ers were able to get home on third and long and really keep the Jaguars in check. The Jaguars were only 30% conversion rate on third down. We know that was a big goal in this game was to get the Jacksonville Jaguars off the field on third, which has been a bugaboo for the 49ers. But five sacks for the 49ers defensive line, um, that was impressive. Also, four turnovers, uh, two interceptions, one by Hufanga, one by Fred Warner, and the Hufanga one definitely caused by pressure. That was a, a solid play. Then you had the fumble recoveries, Nick Bosa with a strip sack when him and Chase Young met at the quarterback, and then Ambry Thomas with the strip out there it was a it was a great play so you're seeing the 49ers defensive line and secondary making plays and I think that's really important you need to see these guys get it done making plays and I think that they did a really good job in this football game the other thing that was really nice was the 49ers were great in run fits so they've been struggling against the run you've seen their numbers go up and go up and go up and they had struggled to stop running games especially They've had to turn to getting eight guys in the box just to stop the run since they played Cleveland. Well, guess what? The 49ers not only stopped the run, but they were able to stop the run with seven. They were able to keep an eighth guy out of the box. They ran some two-eye safety looks in this football game and were still able to do it. But part of the way they did it was the alignment of the defensive line 
was once again married to the linebackers. They were lined up in the exact spot to be able to protect the linebackers as much as possible to allow Fred and Dre to get where they were supposed to get. Also, though, we've seen Isaiah Oliver play really good as far as run fits in the run game. Well, Diamond the Lenore did a good job in this game as well. And I think that was a question mark, you know, with Diamond the Lenore was just can he do it? We've seen him do it in a limited amount of opportunities from the nickel position. But last year, he only played nickel a little bit because then Emmanuel Mosley got hurt and he moved outside. And he's good against the run on the outside. I just wanted to see what it looked like. And I thought he did a pretty good job setting uh, setting the edge when he needed to, coming up in run fits and filling his holes and gap responsibilities. So that was good news. Uh, but we saw Fred. He was pulling the trigger. He was getting downhill quickly. He was trusting his instincts. That was good. Dre Greenlaw looked healthy. He was able to shed blocks, disengage, and make tackles. Both of those guys were doing what they were supposed to do. We also seen a willingness from Steve Wilkes to run some run blitz. Uh, Oren Burks came in the game. He blitzed him into his gap along the goal line. That was interesting to see. We didn't see a lot of run blitz from Steve Wilkes early on in the season, but he was willing to do it, whether it was with the linebacker safety or in the second half of the game with the Lenore coming off the edge and that nickel blitz. So it was definitely a lot more interesting and a lot more uh, educated in what he was doing. So I think he has a full feel now of what his personnel is capable of. He has a full feel now of what he needs to do. And I think this could be the start of something spectacular for this defense. They have so many playmakers and so many talented players. As long as they execute, they're going to be doing a good job. And it's all about alignment and assignment. And the 49ers do a good job uh, of making sure they uh, accomplish assignments if your alignment is correct. Now, there were still a couple of scenarios, and I, I did a film breakdown first half, second half of the, or, I'm sorry, first half of the 49ers offense and first half of the 49ers defense are available over on Patreon. You can go check those out. And it's one of those things where you're seeing, um, you know, the, the alignment isn't always great on the outside now. Uh, so they had some times where they should have been staggered a little bit, especially in man coverage to prevent, you know, being able to be rubbed. And I thought that is part of the reason that Diameter Lenore was potentially getting thrown on sometimes is he was getting rubbed. They were using receivers to go ahead and, and get some body on him and not allow him to get where he needed to go. He was having to run through traffic, and that even caught up the 49ers in the run game as well. Fred was showing blitz off the edge. You had Tashawn Gibson in a press situation. He was on the far inside on the slot, and then you had Diamond Lenore. He was also pressed, so they were aligned up all the way across. When that happens, you can get bodies that run into each other. Fred ran right into Tashawn Gibson. Uh, then Lenore jumped inside instead of staying outside and setting the edge. And then Fred wasn't able to get to the tackle because of that. If Lenore would have turned it in, Fred could have got there. But that connection of him running into Tashawn Gibson really did give them the opportunity. And that play was Travis Etienne's 16-yard gain. So those types of things still got to be worked out. Yeah, you want press coverage sometimes, especially you know when you're running man coverage. But you also got to prepare and give a little bit of spacing so you don't get rubbed. And I thought Lenore got rubbed on a couple of occasions, one being the fade route to Christian Kirk. Uh, so they did a good job of taking advantage of those alignment issues for the 49ers. I'm sure the Niners will look at it with Steve Wilkes. And even if they change their alignment by a yard just to give the proper spacing they need, that could be something beneficial for them. But overall, I thought on the inside, especially from a defensive end to defensive end to that front seven, the alignment and assignment were on point. 
They knew what they were doing. Even in the secondary, the assignments, they were on it. You go down, you watch the receivers, who was getting open. Most of the time, it was because of rub. It was because of good leverage as far as you know where the defender is lined up to, get to them and they're breaking outside. There wasn't a lot of mistakes. 49ers tackled really well. So execution-wise, it was a good game for the San Francisco 49ers. Chase Young is what the doctor ordered. And why do I say that? Well, uh, Chase Young made it a lot easier for a lot of his 49ers teammates. He was able to come in there and really execute uh, his game plan. And what that was was attack on the edge, uh, be free, be able to get home to the quarterback. But his ability to not just rush at a speed rush but also have a power rush makes it difficult for tackles to kind of figure out what he's going to do. What's funny about Chase Young is the play where him and Nick Bosa get home on the sack, the strip sack. They both use a move to get to the outside. Then once the tackles commit and their body shifts, then they work to the inside. Chase Young gets free a lot sooner than Bosa, but both great handwork, both wrist control. It was just excellent technique from both. It's kind of fun to watch if you go back and you watch that play. But why is he the, what the doctor ordered? Because he made it easier on everyone else. And for the first time, I felt that the 49ers were playing with a defensive line where they felt like there was no weaknesses. They could do whatever they wanted. They had the ability to line these guys up however and they knew that their defensive line would be able to execute the task that they were asked to execute. And I think sometimes they felt during this season that they were probably trying to disguise some of the limitations of the players that were out there. And it's not to talk negatively negatively about those players. It's just now you have elite players at all four defensive linemen spots to start. And I think you saw that on display. Wilkes showed extreme confidence in that 49ers defensive line getting home. And when you can count on that, that's when you're able to kind of help on the back end. That's when you can go ahead and press people and get up in their faces and make them earn every single yard because you know your defensive line will get home. And I think this is the first time that they felt that was the case. And another reason is why the what the doctor ordered was we saw finally one-on-one matchups for Nick Bosa, one-on-one matchups for Armstead or, or Hargrave, and when those happen, they won. So you've got to pick your poison you can't decide that you're going to stop every single one of these defensive linemen. If you do, the way the 49ers are playing in the secondary, you won't have opportunities to go down the field or even uh, to get the ball out. And the 49ers were rallying to make tackles. So Chase Young's effect, not just in the energy, uh, but alignment as far as how the 49ers defense plays, the aggressive style in which Steve Wilkes was willing to play, I think he definitely has changed the 49ers defense for the good. And you just have elite, talented players on all three phases of your of your defense, all three levels, uh, from defensive line to linebackers to secondary. I mean, really, just a a well rounded, talented team. I would say the only two places you don't have just household names at this point has to be at cornerback, uh, because defensive line you have household names in Bosa, Hargrave. Uh, Chase Young, I mean, I think Armstead is well-respected around the league. Linebackers, Dre Greenlaw and Fred Warner. Secondary, we know Tashawn Gibson is well-respected. Hufanga was an all-pro last year. Uh, Charveris Ward was on the borderline Pro Bowl, so he gets respect. So it's just a nickel corner and outside. And here you have two draft picks from the same draft class in 2021, Ambry Thomas and Diamond Lenore, uh, maybe quietly making some big-time plays for the 49ers. So 
I love it. I absolutely love that these guys are stepping up and ready to make uh, some plays for their football team. Uh, and then Lenore in the slot, he just worked. You know, I mean, there were still going to be opportunities for the opposing team. Christian Kirk is a, a tough matchup for most, and they found some opportunities. We talked about him getting rubbed, but I think it worked. We'll see if they stick with that all the time, and if it ends up being Lenore and Ambry Thomas, I mean, it did work, uh, so let's see. I, I don't know if that'll be ultimately what they work, still go with. If Steve Wilkes will talk about, you know, the big nickel again, we'll see. On the offensive side of the ball, Man, Debo Samuel's a key ingredient uh, in the 49ers special sauce. I mean, he is. Uh, the, the, just the way that he's able to perform for the 49ers with the ball in his hand, without the ball in his hand, is exactly what the doctor ordered for the 49ers offense. We knew the impact of getting uh, Debo Samuel and Trent Williams back, that it was going to be huge. But I think once you saw it on display, and Kyle Shanahan didn't wait. What Kyle Shanahan did early in that game was – he got Debo Samuel involved uh, by getting him on the move, getting the eyes and the attention of the opposing team on him. They went to misdirection in the run game on the second play of the game. They just got it going with Christian McCaffrey, getting the ball underneath, using Debo Samuel to go in motion, having everyone's attention and eyes on him. It's just what they do. And then move the pocket consistently. Uh, and a lot of that is started by Debo Samuel. Debo's effect, effect in the run game is huge. Uh, one of the things that Debo does with the motions is move people, move their eyes, get them to a, you know go downhill one way, and then you come back the other. But he creates space, and that space well, I think was felt in this football game where you see Christian McCaffrey go for 16 carries and 95 yards. 49ers go back to their winning ways of rushing the football. They got 144 yards on the ground in this game. Their average had dropped into the 130s, but now they are back at it. And that's the effect of having Debo Samuel back in the mix. Of course, Trent Williams doesn't hurt either. He does a really good job. Makes it easier to block on the edge because you know he's going to take care of what he needs to take care of. And I thought that George Kittle was more effective blocking. Jawan Jennings was more effective blocking because they didn't have to help Jalen Moore as you know or that left tackle spot because Trent Williams can handle it in the blocking game. And you've seen the 49ers more aggressive getting the ball outside as well, letting Trent Williams pull. Uh, to me, it was it's all about getting Debo and Trent back involved in this 40 yards offense. And you've seen what happens when you add all pro players back. They make a huge difference. If, you know, without Debo Samuel, the 49ers average 17 points a game. With Debo Samuel, they average close to 35 points a game. It's a huge advantage for the 49ers. And you know, the run game gets better, but also the pass game gets better. Spacing is just better. And I think you saw that early on. You were able to get you know, plays to Brandon Ayuk in the intermediate area down the field. You were able to hit a whole shot to George Kittle. Uh, you know, they talked about this one a little bit. When you get to second and short, uh, they would go man coverage and they would try to bring some pressure. And Brock Purdy got a one-on-one -on -one with George Kittle lined up against a linebacker. And anytime you can get George Kittle on a linebacker, that's an advantage. We talk about this all the time. 49ers finding matchups where you can get Kittle, Use check McCaffrey or Debo lined up on a linebacker or safety are advantages 49ers, and that's what Kyle Shanahan tries to do with personnel formations. Um, and he does it at a high level, and so we've seen that effect. Debo Samuel has that kind of effect simple motions, simple movements, and shifts adjust everything that happens on the defensive side of the ball, and that's just him without the ball in his hand, not to mention what he does with his ball in the hand. 
because when they run screens to Debo Samuel, he's highly effective. And it doesn't matter if he only gets five, six, ten yards. Uh, those plays, what they do is they slowly wear on a defense because you want to be in tight to stop Christian McCaffrey. You want to be inside the box, and that makes it more difficult. You can bring pressure. You can stop the 40 yards run game. But when Debo's out, out there, he can be in the slot or he can be out wide, and he's able to catch the ball and go get five or six yards, uh, that's easy money, right? You go out there, you throw that football, you let him get the first down. That's easy money for the San Francisco 49ers. And we saw the 49ers do that. A little RPO, supposed to be a run play. Nope, I'm going to throw it to Debo. He ain't got nobody out there. He's able to get uh, six, seven yards on the play. Josh Allen, because he's tremendously athletic, makes the tackle. But you're talking now second and three. Not only are you on schedule, you're ahead of schedule. And it's a simple uh, a simple play with great rewards. And I think that's what the 49ers were missing without Debo, that effect. And also having him be able to uh, kind of take the same role Christian McCaffrey has. You have these interchangeable parts. You would start Debo in the backfield, and then you would fake the run to him and then throw it to McCaffrey. McCaffrey's being covered by a safety. So you can find a mismatch in that category. Uh, how do you designate who Debo is? Is he a wide receiver? Is he a running back? All those things make it more difficult for a defense. The more parts you have, the more weapons Kyle has. And if you have Debo go one way, McCaffrey go the other, you can completely split the defense. But one play that was fun, they had Debo Samuel and McCaffrey in the backfield together. McCaffrey runs out. Uh, Debo runs behind him. They look like they're going to run a little swing screen pass out to Debo with Christian McCaffrey leading. And it got all the attention. One of the players went uh, with Debo Samuel in motion as they run the play. Everyone's going to the left. And you've got Trayvon Walker trying to cover George Kittle in space. George Kittle gets wide open. Boom. I think it was third play of the game. Big time execution for the 49ers. Simple adjustment personnel-wise. Just have way too many people that the defense has got to focus on. And when that happens, somebody's going to slip through the cracks. You know, a lot of times it's someone like George Kittle who gets three catches for 116 yards and a touchdown. Other times it's third down and it's Jawan Jennings time, or it's Kyle Juszczyk who all of a sudden's open in the middle of the field for a touchdown. All that is created by the space, and Debo helps big time. Christian McCaffrey always helps create space, but Debo and McCaffrey together create space for everyone. Ayuk, Kittle, Juszczyk, uh, you name it. He, they're going to create space for them, and that's what makes it easier for Brock Purdy. It also makes it easier for the offensive line. I thought the offensive line played good in this game. I think there are always situations where they had a miss here or there. Trent Williams is definitely not 100%. That was seen on film. Uh, Colton McKivitt still struggled from time to time. You had like little mistakes, but for the most part, they held up and they did a good job of creating opportunities for Brock. There were a couple of times Brock took off a little bit early or wasn't willing to kind of rip the pass you would normally see. Um, now, don't get me wrong. Brock played fantastic in this game, and those types of things happen, right? You feel pressure. You want to just go ahead and get you know get out of there. I understand those things. I'm just saying offensive line didn't do too bad. Uh, block well in the run game. Block pretty good in the passing game. To me, this was a, a really good matchup for them at a test, and I thought they held up pretty well. So I was excited about what they were doing. And Brock Purdy is absolutely fearless. Going back and watching some of these throws that he makes, absolutely fearless. That one to Brandon Ayuk, I get what he's doing. He's pointing, uh, you know, the first touchdown of the game. He was hoping that one of those guys was going to run to the corner and the other one break back to the middle, and then somebody would get wide open. And if Kittle would have kept going to the corner, he would have been wide open. But anyways, he throws back 
He's uh, floating to the left, kind of falling away, hits this pass over the top of the defensive player. Brandon Ayuk makes the catch. Absolutely fearless throw. Every single person's uh, heart was probably in their throat at that moment. I know as a coach, I would have been yelling, no, 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 no. Uh, so I totally get Kyle Shanahan's reaction. Hey, it's only a bad play if it doesn't work, right? It's definitely not the way you coach it up or teach it because those don't usually work out your way. But Brock Purdy has a knack for this kind of thing. And I think it's funny because because it's Brock Purdy, right? Everyone's going to criticize it. But let's be honest, if Josh Allen or Patrick Mahomes or Joe Burrow make this throw, nobody bats an eye. But I thought it was Brock Purdy being a playmaker, making something happen. Hey, and he's got the talent to do it. He got it done. I thought that was impressive. But there's a lot of plays in this game. The George Kittle touchdown on the one-on-one to Devin Lloyd to throw it with pressure in his face. Absolutely fearless. Uh, he had other plays. He was ripping it into tight areas. Uh, just a fearless play from Brock Purdy. I love having a quarterback that tries to limit mistakes but takes uh, chances when he needs to. And that's what it's about. If you want to win in the NFL, you have to be willing to take chances. And I feel like Brock Purdy is, and I saw Brock Purdy elevate his game. It was a good performance from Brock Purdy, maybe one of his best performances of his entire career. And we're not even that far into his career. But uh, to me, this was a game where Brock Purdy, you know, over the last couple games, it was three really good quarters, followed by a little bit of a struggle in the fourth. I thought of this game from beginning to end, Brock Purdy was really, really good. And the 49ers got in front, and they stayed in front. And I thought that was huge. Uh, Brock made the right play more than not. And there were opportunities for Brock to maybe get himself into trouble and throw some balls that could have been turnovers. He didn't. He made the right read. Uh, were there occasions where there's players potentially open that he missed? Of course. Uh, this is the NFL. Maybe he didn't come off his first read quick enough, or somebody didn't run to the proper area where they were supposed to be. But yeah, there was a couple of misses here and there. But there were also some times where he held on to the football and it was a smart move because if he would have got rid of it, it could have been a turnover. So uh, just as impressive as the throws were, there were also some very non-throws, very good non-throws that he didn't make. So do I still wish that he would work on a little bit of the intentional grounding, getting outside of the pocket uh, flip that he does? Yes, I think that's something they're going to work on. We didn't see that last year, but this year, it's definitely been on display. So he does have a couple of things to clean up. I don't think the offense played a perfect game. They were still four of 12 on third down. Uh, that's not exactly what they've been doing this year. They were at 46%. So, I mean, yes, they were going against the Jaguars, good defense. I like the four yards method early in the game. Just don't face third down, right? It just works out the best. So I, I thought that that was uh, really important. And then uh, physical limits are not going to impact Brock's play. So, We've talked a little bit about through the time that his elite trait is in his mind. Uh, he's so mentally savvy. He understands where he's supposed to go with the football at all times. I think he does a great job with it. Uh, but there are always physical limitations for every quarterback. And knowing their physical limitations are what help them strive. And I think that you, know, you wonder every time you get a quarterback that maybe doesn't have the strongest arm, who doesn't have the biggest stature, the best speed, um, you know, are they going to be able to operate at a high enough level to be a big-time quarterback in the NFL? And I don't think Brock Purdy's limitations are going to hold him back. Does he have the strongest arm? Can he throw like Patrick Mahomes? No. Uh, is he going to be somebody that can take a lot of physical contact? No. Is he going to be able to run like you know any of these other big-time quarterbacks that can run? No. Uh, but he doesn't have to be because his limitations are not enough to stop him from being a big quarterback. Yes, mentally he processes information at an elite level, 
uh, but he has enough physical tools to make every throw that you need him to make. He, to me, has been spectacular, and I, I, love to, I love to see what he did in this game, and I think it's a nice trend moving forward. As long as he can continue to build off this, I mean, Brock is having a great season. Over 2,200 yards passing, 15 touchdowns to five interceptions, three-to-one ratio in the NFL, spectacular. Uh, they just like you to be two-to-one. So the fact he's three-to-one shows how he takes care of the football, but he's still aggressive enough to go out there and make some plays. To me, Brock Purdy has asserted himself as one of the better quarterbacks in this league. And I think the 49ers feel really confident that not only is he not limited, uh, but he can do everything they need in Kyle Shanahan's offense to be successful. Uh, it's It's been nice. He's making teams. Defenses cover every blade of grass out there. And now when you have playmakers like Christian McCaffrey, Debo Samuel, Brandon Ayuk, George Kittle, they space the field enough that you make everyone guarded. There's so many times in this game where you have you know, receiver low, receiver low, and then you have these intermediates that hold defenders in a vertical stretch, and then, boom, Brock is able to get the ball down the field to Brandon Ayuk for a nice 25, 30-yard gain. So, uh, you know, penalties are still problematic, especially on first and second down. That did slow down the 49ers' effectiveness on a couple of drives. They could have easily walked away with more points. Third down efficiency could get better. And now they did go against a good Jacksonville defense and still put up 34, but that's because they had four turnovers on defense. Uh, so, yeah, the offense still has work to do. I think they can still get better, but they still looked really good, and I'm excited about you know their matchup and how they looked in this game. So it was a huge, big win for the San Francisco 49ers in, in this game. And talk a little bit about special teams real quick is I thought that they looked good, you know, and I, I love that Brian Schneider – uh, tried his best to kick the ball out of the end zone as much as possible. Jamal Agnew did get a return, but then he was hurt. Uh, that definitely changed the Jaguars' ability on special teams to take it to the house, but uh, Jake Moody made his extra points. Jake Moody made his field goals. Those are big. Mitch Wisnowski punted like the great punter that he is. Uh, even got one pinned down inside the five-yard line. That was great coverage from the 49ers te uh, special teams unit. So I thought overall... It was a well-rounded, complimentary football game. Offense, defense, and special teams executing at a high level. You saw a lot of creative play from the offense and defense. Sound football play, good execution. Uh, these are the types of games you can build on. And if the 49ers can execute just a little bit better every game they play on all three phases, by the time they get to January and February, they're going to be absolutely tough to beat. So uh, overall, the film was great to watch. 49ers are a really good football team and they play like it Sunday against a really good football team in the Jacksonville Jaguars. So uh, like and subscribe to the channel if you haven't already. I really appreciate it. I'm working towards getting to 5K subscribers on YouTube now. If you're listening on an audio platform, 40 hours cutback on Believe, please give it a five-star rating and leave a review. I really appreciate everyone that's listening on the audio platform. If you guys are the best, and if you guys want to join me on the PSF app, uh, me and Mark Adams go live on Wednesdays. We'll be doing a game preview show, but we'll be talking about this 49ers Jaguars game as well. And then, of course, on Sunday, we'll be going live uh, as the game happens. And you can go on the PSF app, interact with us as the game's happening, and get our live commentary. So uh, join on there as well. So lots of ways uh, for you to be able to check out you know, the content. There's also content available over on Patreon. Uh, the Ant Hill Show is one of the shows available on Patreon. You can also check out the Ant and Classic Show, the All-22 Film Breakdowns, every single play broken down from every single game.
So lots of ways to get 49ers cutback content. I hope you guys will check out all of them. Uh, just like always, if you have any questions, you have any comments, leave it in the comments section down below. Follow me on all the socials. Uh, but I really do appreciate everyone coming through. You guys are the best. And I can't wait to talk more 49ers this week. We'll have a little bit more conversations about 49ers versus Jaguars before we turn the page and turn our attention to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and the Baker Mayfield heading to Santa Clara to take on a couple of buck ins uh, in, in, in Santa Clara. It's going to be fun. Nick Bosa and Chase Young going to be going after uh, Baker Mayfield, and, and they got some weapons, so that's going to be a lot of fun. But I'll catch you guys on the next one. Until then, stay safe. And remember, the right way is always the 49ers way. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.